This is Intertractional, an exploration of Star Trek through an intersectional feminist lens. Star Trek is both a reflection of our society and an aspiration for our future. The stories it tells shape our world. Intersectionality explores intersecting forms of oppression and how they affect individuals with compound identities. Star Trek is for feminists. Hi. Hi, Molly. Hi, Rebecca. How's it going? <laughs> it's good. Hi, Intertrekkies. Um, so Molly's here today in lieu of Ryan. Ryan is living that vineyard life right now. <laughs> She's in Argentina for a wedding, and uh, this wedding, she keeps sending me pictures of how she can see a vineyard outside of her window. <laughs> um, pretty sure that means she's at Chateau Picard. Yes. Because... You know, after we have been talking about where is Chateau Picard all the time, it was just mm-hmm. like, it's just every vineyard. <laughs> every vineyard is in one way Chateau Picard. Exactly. Oh, I also have an update for you yeah. from two episodes ago. Ooh. So you said in Star Trek 2009 that they talk about Admiral Archer's dog being killed by Scotty. Yeah. So they actually say that they don't, I think he says that he lost him. And so it's implied that he gets killed, but there's a deleted scene where he shows up. The dog like just beams back because I think you're supposed to get that, you know, once Scotty figures out a little bit more about teleportation, he can kind of finally rope him back from wherever he's been. But I think there's either a deleted scene from the movie or it's in the tie-in novelization because I watched both. Uh, So I I, I promise you the dog is not dead. I just have to figure out how to cite my sources there. Well, I'm very glad to know that Porthos is not actually dead. Yeah, when you guys talk about uh, Star Trek 2009, you have to have me back because that was like the first Star Trek property I was ever introduced to. And it honestly might still be my favorite, which I know is trifling, but (laughs) I fucking love it. You you know what? Own it. I love (laughs) it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so before we get into things, I do have a couple shout outs. Thank you to my parents, Marlene and John, for subscribing to our member feed. Oh, that's so cute. Yay. Thanks, Marlene and John. Also, we got a number of new reviews on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts, which is so awesome. Thank you very much to um, Geethar, Kaya Nevada, Ali Moss's boss, and IDK217. Y'all are awesome um, (laughs) and much appreciated for those five stars. Also, I wanted to mention we found this article by T.S. Mendola on Medium called Absolute Backstory, Ooh. and they uh, mention that we coined Dr. Fuckboy and that... Oh, my God. Uh, no, shout, out, shout out to us in their article. <gasps> so that's really fucking awesome. Uh, you're super smart, and we love that you are uh, a listener. That's so, so cool. Yes. Winning at life. <laughs> right on. So... What did you think of Star Trek Picard Episode 4, Absolute Candor? So it was really fun, and I appreciated all the exposition that went into it. Because like as we were talking about off mic, like there's still so much that I'm unclear about. So I'm glad that this one does a little bit better job of shading things in. This was the first time in this series that I was like, oh, man, th- this is going to be kind of long, huh? Uh, and I know, obviously, it, it was, but it, it's just like they're really stretching everything. Yeah, I think this was my complaint from the first episode of, like, why does it feel like it's treading water? 
And it kind of does. And they even, like, acknowledge it in a way. So there's that conversation between Dr. Girardi and Captain Rios where Mm -hmm. she's like, man, space is pretty boring. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's tricky because it's like, I feel like if we're comparing it to contemporary Star Trek, I never feel that way about Discovery. I feel like Discovery is, like, fun every step of the journey. Um, but I think that's because it's allowed to be a little more episodic than this is. Mm. Um, I'm enjoying it. I, all of that aside, I'm really enjoying it. And they managed to end every episode with the banger. Mm-hmm. And I like all these characters. So I'm on board. I'm just saying it, it's feeling real long. <laughs> yeah. So let's right. start at the beginning of the episode with 14 years in a pa- in the past on planet Vashti. So they have uh, the little Romulan boy running around, Elnor, a.k.a. Space Legolas. <laughs> Very definitely Space Legolas. <laughs> yeah, he's like a tiny little elf, mm-hmm. and he's living with these nuns mm-hmm. who are part of an order called the Kawat Malat, mm-hmm. which are assassins. Assassin nuns. That follow the way of absolute candor. Mm-hmm. The way of absolute candor means that they won't hesitate to tell us. What's the way of absolute candor? It's their primary teaching. Total communication of emotion without any filter between thought and word. So it's interesting because it is kind of similar because Vulcan and, and Romulan are like, the same from their sister species. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that certain Romulans took that sort of because candor is inherent, I think, in Vulcan too, a little bit, but they're more feelings based candor than like just logical fact based candor. But the thing I thought was interesting is they do absolute candor, which is different than other Romulans. And I wonder if that meant that like other Romulans are really secretive. Because that mm-hmm. sounds right to me, especially with what we know from Dr. Fuckboy at all. Yeah, I think that we are being, like, Romulans are being fleshed out in this way that mm-hmm. their society is really built around being secretive. Mm-hmm. Like, privacy is extremely valued, and so this particular religious sect is, a, like, very counterculture. I think that's cool. I think yeah. it's like one of the things that we've been talking about a lot is how um, individuals are not the same as the government <clears throat> that represents them, or like you can know you can know five Romulans, and the sixth Romulan is a totally different person. <laughs> the sixth Romulan's kind of an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> the sixth Romulan, as Doctor Girardi says. Might be kind of annoying. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to that because that was obviously like a tip to like, oh, we about to get some hijinks on this ship. I can't mm-hmm. wait. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Um, so they introduce the character of Elnor. Mm-hmm. Picard comes in in his real uh, Florida Stanley outfit. Florida Stanley? Have you ever watched The Office? I have, but it's I've in been- way later seasons oh, where they see I didn't read. There's part of the... Dunder Mifflin that's in Florida and so Stanley has to go there and he changes his whole identity Uh, but he has a hat like that is all I'm saying that's Um, funny to me it felt very Indiana Jones yeah yes I mean it fits in with his like he's an archaeologist or he's an anthropologist Mm -hmm. but like you know archaeology anthropology similar and it also made him stand out a lot from the nuns who are all dressed in black right um 
but mostly I just want that hat really bad. <laughs> yeah, you are big on hats. I love hats. Um, I already have a jacket that basically looks the same as that jacket. <laughs> so I could cosplay this, this version great. of Picard tomorrow Florida if I had that Picard. Hat. Great. <laughs> Florida Picard. <laughs> yeah. So it, basically he is there telling them, like, don't worry, we're going to relocate you all soon? I think that they were... They were evacuated from Romulus. Right. Uh-huh. Um, to but they Vashti. were supposed yeah, to Vashti. But they were supposed to be moved yet again. Yeah, I th- and then think they didn't so. really want. Yeah, and that's the whole scene last week with Rafi and Picard at Starfleet getting fired. Mm. Is I think because they just went their separate ways, nobody then took up taking care of these refugees on Vashti is what I think we're supposed to get, especially towards the end of the episode. So I wanted to mention that Vashti is like a reference to um, the story of Esther uh, and we are hot on the heels of Purim. Oh, which hey. is like Jewish Halloween, basically fun. So during Purim, we retell the story of Esther, who, with her uncle Mordechai, defeated a plot to genocide all the Jews. Oh no! Um, and in it, uh, Vashti, who's the queen at the like at the outset of the story, is married to King Ahasuerus, and King Ahasuerus is like. Man, this lady is just not doing it for me anymore. I don't know. She's like not dancing sexy enough. And so he's like banishes her. He's like, you're not my queen anymore. And then he hosts a pageant to find his new queen. Mm -hmm. And Esther is the one that he picks. Like Mordecai is like evil vizier Haman is going to kill all of us. Mm -hmm. But you can talk the king out of that. That happens. Everybody's saved. But what bearing do you think that has on the name of this planet? Or do you think they were just like, ooh, pretty word? That's a good question. (laughs) I really don't see the connection yet. And Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if it's just like Michael Shaban is Jewish and was like, here's a cool word that people, most people aren't going to know about. Yeah. Yeah. Not everything needs like a deeper meaning. (laughs) Um, I would honestly, I love any time a person who creates art is just like, no, nah, I just thought it sounded cool. <laughs> I think that's just like, mwah. I also think it's hilarious. This is constantly my beef with Star Trek, and I know it's just like expediency of of writing, how we can write from the century that we're in, but it's so dumb to me that like they nobody ever wrote an epic better than Three Musketeers. Like, <laughs> it's, it's dumb to me in Next Generation when they're like, oh yeah, we all still think Sherlock Holmes is the best. I mean, I guess we as a culture still think those things, but it stands to me that there would be a new classic detective story or a new classic, you know, sword fighting story. And yet every time I see a cup or a mug in Star Trek, they're like, no, no, cups as you know it have ceased to exist. (laughs) The future means cups are different, literature is exactly the same. Ding, bang, boom, done. (laughs) It just frustrates me. That's really funny. (laughs) But but it's dumb that nobody in Star Trek is ever like, oh, shit, it's just like this time in Harry Potter. (laughs) Because that is a more contemporary text if you really think about it. It's true. It's um, true. They could be referencing Harry Potter and it would be totally, they could be referencing Game of Thrones. I know. It's so, they never reference TV. TV exists. I TV don't know. exists. It's yes. such a dumb nitpicky thing <laughs> and yet it bothers me. <laughs> but I know if they were like, it's just like on Party of Five when 
I would oh be I would be totally thrown and I wouldn't like it. You would so be like, I'm no, just no, 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 no. <laughs> I so I my thoughts about the three musketeers mm. are um I I I actually liked that they chose that because mm-hmm. like maybe a lot of people don't know that Alexander Dumas is a, was a black person. Mm-hmm. Like he is one of the very few canonical literature writers who is a person of color. So I like any time that we kind of talk about him. Yeah. Um and it also got it also got me thinking about something that I was reading about recently. Uh, you know, here we are in February, Black History Month. Hey. There was there's this scandal out of Barnes and Noble who Uh-oh. were trying My to do <laughs> they were trying to do something for Black History Month. <sighs> yeah. They commissioned artists to like make new covers for classical literature, all with like with black protagonists on the covers, but Almost all of the properties that they chose are written written by <laughs> white people and, yeah. you know, feature people who are explicitly described as being white or pale or, like, fair or whatever it is. Like, internally in the organization, they were like, yeah, we're doing something great, like, bringing attention to the, to like, the existence of black people and also these books that everybody already loves. And it's like, well, but, like, did nobody ever say, like, hey, why don't we do, like, a blitz on... Books written by black people. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't we have, like, obvious remaster all the Octavia Butler books? Right. It's like Moby Dick doesn't need help. (laughs) Well, actually, it's the black whale. So, you know, check your privilege. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's so performative. It was like, it's just an empty gesture. It's so empty. So so you appreciated the inclusion of an author of color. Yeah. That's cool. I, I, I can get down with that. Yeah, blah blah blah, and so then we go back to current day. It's Captain Rios trying to read that book that y'all talked about last episode, and Allison Pill, Allison Pills, in front of him, which is obviously very very cute. I love it. <laughs> so she comes up to him on the bridge and is like, like we said at the beginning of this episode, uh, man's face is really boring. <laughs> then. She, like, reveals that she used to also bug her dad when he was reading. Which also, I understand this is, like, clever screenwriting, but nobody would ex- start talking about their dad be like, this guy I used to live with. <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I, I thought it was artful, but I just think it's funny. Um, I also was, like, I felt like she was gearing up for a real shut-me-up kiss. Because uh, anytime like a woman is like nervous rambling, I'm always like, oh yeah, they're gonna try to kiss her, huh? Mm. It's just, that's I've seen too many romance movies. Uh, that's a well worn trope, but he doesn't. He they doesn't. were standing a little bit too far away from each other. Oh well, in space, if you want to smooch someone, you can move really fast. Oh good. <laughs> <laughs> you know that? Yeah. Um, do you Super think speed. that her and Rios are gonna hook up? Oh man, I don't know. I'm such a middle schooler with this show, and I'm like, oh yeah, who's <laughs> gonna kiss? I'm ready. <laughs> um, and just as long as it's not Doctor Doctor Fuckboy and his sister. Oh, I know, but they're so close. Oh, it's on a razor's edge. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Ew, you guys didn't mention it, but there was a part in last episode where he's whispering in her ear, and as he pulls back, he like on purpose turns his head so that his nose like drags along her face. Yes. It was such a creepy choice. It's I love it. So weird. Sorry, but uh, do you think, uh, sorry, back to the serious question. Do you think Rios and Allison Pill are going to kiss? Hmm. 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 
I mean, maybe it's just, this is, I'm glad that you're bringing this mm-hmm. energy because this is like Ryan's energy, energy too, energy. where I'm just like, I don't know. I think they're just all going to be friends. No. <laughs> no. Everybody's going to hook up. Picard's going to hook up with Raffi. Oh, uh, I hope snap. not. I don't want that to happen. That would be so weird. It'd be really weird. Oh. I, I, th- I do think that you called it first episode when you said that, uh, Narek is going to fulfill the like saved by the love of a woman archetype. Mm-hmm. I definitely don't think he's. I think he's going to be redeemed in that way. But okay, so if I'm calling the hookups, I'm going to say Allison Pill hooks up with Rios. Uh, Elnor's got to hook up with someone. I don't know who he hooks up with. Maybe Picard. Who knows? Um, obviously, Soji and Narek stay together, and those are my hookup predictions at this time. <laughs> Okay. I'd like to lock right. those in. We will keep track of those. We will and monitor. And number one hooks up with a pillow. I don't know. I miss number one. <laughs> right? Bring back number one. More dogs in Star Trek. Because I'm just stuck on Captain Rios spends, up until he got like this little crew, spends his whole life <laughs> with other holograms that look like him. It's so bizarre. I can't tell if I love it or if I hate it. Yet. It's so weird, and I'm stuck on that, and I'm like, maybe he's just like a real huge narcissist. Yeah. And there's an emergency sex worker hologram. Oh, you know there is, but it's just like him with like a wig and lipstick and yet another wackadoo accent. <laughs> he's like, he's like, uh, engage the sex hologram, and it's like, well, hi there. My name is not you. I'm a lady who likes lady things like shopping and sucking dick. <laughs> Hello, Michael Chavon. Would you like to hire another writer? Because I'm available. Molly has got it. <laughs> there was a line that I loved that Rafi said, Man can't even take a guilt trip without using a starship. <laughs> Referring to him going back to needing to go back to Vashti to right. kind of right his wrongs. And the whole sort of backstory they give for that a couple of different times is because he lost Dodge, he feels like he has to go back to all of his like I don't know, space grandchildren <laughs> and try to help them. Dodge is already dead. I got space grandchildren in different area codes. Right. Like, I got to go get them all. Yeah, he's going back to Vashti. <laughs> um, so then they flash to Picard's uh, hollow sweet study. Right, right. So they were like, okay, y'all, we have a lot of money to make this show, but we don't have infinite money to make this show. So <laughs> let's bring back this set that we made. We- <laughs> That's true. It's true. (laughs) And so we're back in the study. That's so funny. Um, And we meet the emergency hospitality hologram, which acknowledges that there are not very many emergency hospitality requirements that happen aboard this ship. Mm -hmm. So he's like, finally, I get to do something. (laughs) Um, And then they have like a meeting Mm -hmm. accidentally on purpose. Yeah. Does everybody else just show up in the holodeck? Yeah, I guess. (laughs) They're just like, well, I'm bored now. Let's go somewhere. And then finally, Allison Pill walks in and she's like, hey, can I be here? Is that okay? (laughs) So the next scene is in the Borg cube, the artifact with Soji, and she's watching old tapes of Rhonda. Ramda. Ramda. Yeah. Not Rhonda. Ramda. Yeah. So there's this Debbie. Her name is Debbie. (laughs) 
Ramda. The, Soji is watching this old talk show interview right. about Ramda. Ramda's telling the viewers about the forthcoming annihilation that will be instigated by the destroyer. That is Soji, apparently. We get more tarot katan. I just love that they have made up this game and then everybody's playing it. No, they're just reading the news. That's what that is. Oh, right. It's the news. I right, like that. Right, right. <laughs> and then she goes to see Ramda in the disor- disordered ward because Ramda tried to commit suicide. So she's she's like not dead. No. But she's in critical condition or something. She's mostly dead. And so she's feeling really guilty. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Dr. Fuckboy shows up again. <laughs> And then they go to, like, the bar that's there on the board cube somehow, which is very uh, cool. I love how, like, in sci-fi they're like, yeah, things are either incredibly bright or they're blue. Right. <laughs> yes. We only have, we have 14 different cups, two books, and only two <laughs> kinds of lighting. <laughs> but we have the kind of lighting where things are bad. Yeah. And we have the kind of lighting where things are less bad. Yeah. And it's like, okay. <laughs> Here, drink out of a vase. Yes. <laughs> You're in the future. Oh, yeah, that is a weird vase that he's drinking out of. He's drinking some, like, blue liquid out of a vase yeah. at a bar that's there. That um, And then Soji's like, my normal paradigm is very trusting, but you're fucking with that because... I mean, she doesn't trust him. Yeah. As well, she should not. Yeah. He's a fucking spy. Yeah. And uh, he doesn't ever answer her questions. Ugh. It could, like, I can almost imagine her being like, what's your, what's your favorite food? I don't know. What's, what's your favorite food? No, I just like, I just want to know, do you want, do you want uh, milk in your coffee? Do I want milk in my coffee? Oh my god! Just answer a question. I beg of thee, like anything. Uh, and so, and so, to like curtail this like line of questioning, he takes her to go risky business. <laughs> they risky business. It's so funny. It's so. I enjoyed it. I I, I enjoyed. thought it was really cute mm-hmm. and like. What? <laughs> yeah, t- truly. But honestly, why don't we see people being silly billies on starships more often? Because a lot of people, some people are going to be silly. As we have previously learned, space is pretty boring. Space is so boring. Sometimes you got to s- sock skate. Exactly. <laughs> they're kind of dancing. They're like yeah. playing around. They're giggling. They're laughing. Yeah. It's cute. It's sweet. Mm-hmm. And then they make out. Yeah. And then in the middle of making out, he's like, but how come you weren't actually on this transport that you were on? <laughs> I love how he thinks like his whole character is like, oh, I'm very smooth. Don't you worry about me. And his his like seduction technique is number one, sock skating. Number two, interrogation smooches. <laughs> Why? <laughs> it's like, is that going to be effective? She's totally oh, like, trust me, I've done this before. Oh, first I take her to the fun zone. Then I win her some tickets at Ski Ball. Then interrogation smooches. <laughs> Doesn't work on her, Mm-mm. but apparently he's planted the seed of doubt that she's like, I was there. 
why doesn't it say that? Yeah, <laughs> I think that she like she storms off in a huff because she's mad at him for having been Snoopy or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really, she, she's probably her deeper programming <laughs> is making her walk oh. away so that she doesn't start questioning like her origins or the fact that she's actually only Smart. three years old and she's never been anywhere. You think that she had to leave because her programming makes her like abort. Yeah, like, that makes sense. When she talks to her mom, she just Ooh, like yeah. falls into a weird coma sleep. Honestly, though, same. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so that's the end of that interaction. Mm-hmm. So Picard's back on Vashti. It's 14 years later. He's in a black leather jacket because things are dark now. Yeah. I guess the place is like poverty stricken. There's a lot of signs that are like only Romulans are allowed in here. And he keeps trying to say hello to all of these Romulans and they're just ignoring him. And we're back with the nuns. Mm-hmm. Um, and Elnor, the little kid, is all grown up. Mm-hmm. Fully evolved into his space Legolas per- Pokemon version. <laughs> yeah. With the hair and uh-huh. the samurai sword and everything. Picard is there to recruit. So he doesn't, he, he originally, he's like, I just need somebody who, yeah. a Kalen Kai, mm-hmm. um, who's going to be my like muscle. Yeah. Cause he's, they're taking on the, ta- I know they're not the Tasha Yars, but that's all I hear the every Tasha time. Yar. It's the Tal Shiar. Tal Shiar. <laughs> so he needs more than, I guess, four people to take them on. And they're like, okay, how about one guy? How about this one guy? <laughs> And it's not even he. So, the thing that I think is interesting about this order, the order of the nuns, yeah. um, is that they have trained Elnor all in like all of their ways and all of their fighting skills mm. and and their like religious beliefs and whatever. Um, but he can never be one of them mm-hmm. because he's a man mm-hmm. and the order of the Kowat Milat are only ever women. Perpetuating anything that's gender exclusionary in the future is annoying to me mm-hmm. uh, and also totally erases anybody who's not on the gender binary. That is something so interesting that like mainstream science fiction doesn't really wrestle with. Is that like on Earth? We know now that gender is a spectrum, and there are people that aren't on these binaries. And like, no, 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 Vulcans are girls and boys, <laughs> Romulans are girls and boys, Klingons are girls and boys. Done. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think I, I know I brought this up on the last episode, but my friend Meg Ellison, who's a sci-fi writer, says it's so frustrating that when people imagine the future, they keep imagining the same future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's yeah, not, you're, she's not wrong. It's a, I mean, like she's so right, and mm-hmm. thank you for bringing that up again because this yeah. does it just keeps happening. If we're looking at today, there's a lot, there's religious. Well, I'm thinking about like in Catholicism, which mm-hmm. you know, is not my topic of expertise, <laughs> but um, they continue to not allow women to be priests. Yeah, we have millennia of piled on tradition of. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> disallowing people simply because of their gender or their gender expression uh, from certain roles and certain responsibilities. Um, and it's annoying. Yeah. Yeah. But do you think it has something to do with the fact of their order being, having this way of radical candor, not radical, excuse me, absolute candor? 
Are you kind of saying that they think that only one gender is capable of practicing that? Yeah. Like maybe. Could be. I think that's an interesting reading of it. I think it's more likely that Michael Chabon was like, nah, it just makes sense that certain orders are gender specific because in our current society, certain orders are gender specific. I'll just carry that trope over and dress it up in sci-fi drag. Yeah. Maybe. But I think that's an interesting take for sure. Yeah, I think he probably was, like, really taken by the conceit of, like, ninja nuns. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Maybe even that is the thing, the sort of justification for it being just women, because it is kind of a radical notion to us to think that, like, oh, shit, not only are nuns this, like, peaceful people fighting, it's ladies fighting. That's pretty cool. Like, Mm -hmm. that's, like, the sprinkle that makes it (laughs) sci-fi. So if there were, like, women and men fighting, we'd be like, yeah, yeah, we get it. The ninjas, sure. (laughs) No, no, did I tell you? All girls, all nuns. I was really, I was really into the way of radical, I keep saying radical candor because there's this, there's this well-known and well-regarded book called Radical Candor. The author's name is Kim Scott. Mm. Kind of a cornerstone text in a lot of the like modern day leadership and management best practices mm. mm-hmm. uh, conversation, and uh, I don't think I don't think radical candor and absolute candor are quite the same because absolute mm. candor is all about apparently from this episode speaking all of your feelings immediately with no mm-hmm. filter. Uh, radical candor is less about like. Feelings and more about like speaking about how behaviors impact one another and and being open to having those conversations uh, despite them being difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like pr- presents a framework for how to have those conversations in a way that that results in resolution mm. rather than just like entrenchment. That's um, interesting. Yeah. I like what we were talking about earlier, the fact that these uh that this particular religious sect has such a different philosophy from what most Romulans do. Um just I don't know, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was cool. I really it's liked re- it. Refreshing. Yeah. And, and I think it's gonna give us like a Spock like character in this ensemble because mm. it's a person who's like dedicated to an idea and we'll see it through no matter what. So I think that's going to be a fun little thing to add to this dynamic because they do end up taking Elnor uh, with them. Yeah. I love this. I really like this next scene as Picard is leaving uh, Vashti. Let's take a break and then we'll talk about it. Okay. Because, yeah, you're right. It is a great scene. Welcome back. Uh, yeah, yay. I can't wait to talk about this scene. All right. So in this scene, mm-hmm. Picard throws a sign on the ground that says Romulans only. And both you and I were just like, ugh, Roy. <laughs> he, he just has, like, such the energy of, like, a kid who, like, 
went on one of those mission trips in college and was like, I really know a thing or two about Senegal. And then he comes back and it's like, wait, I don't understand. Why am I not your white savior? So very much. <laughs> yes. And he he sits down and he's immediately like, waiter, waiter, come here. And also he has seven minutes. He's like stirring up shit while waiting to get transport that's waiting for seven minutes. It's like, who's going to get you a drink in seven Dude, minutes? Yeah. What, what kind of... Romulan's only bar do you think this is, Picard? I know. It's just stirring up trouble for the sake of stirring up trouble. Mm -hmm. And it makes me mad, but I think they do a great job of underscoring it by introducing this sort of confrontation that happens at the bar with the person that said that he heard Picard speak. You may call me Tegamandre. We met before. Once. Have we? Forgive me. I. uh... Oh, it was in another lifetime. Now was another man, a Romulan senator, if you can believe it. I had the honor of being present the day you addressed the Hall of State, the very embodiment of Starfleet, making such eloquent and generous promises on behalf of the magnanimous Federation. The great Saint Picard. Senator. I found it extremely moving. I was very touched. We all were. There were tears in my eyes. Thank you. And then you went away. And you scattered us and you spread misinformation and all this stuff. All of this stuff is like the same language we use to talk about colonialism. Mm. And a big thing we talked about last time about Star Trek is it's so colonial. Just because, it, you know, uh, we can't help but write that way because we've, you know... As Americans kind of benefited from colonialism and actively participating in colonialism for years. And so it's really refreshing to have somebody finally say, like, not only are you not this hero, you didn't follow through on any of the promises. And I think that's something that I love about Picard, the show, is that it's really taking him to task for, like, you can't be this, like, heroic monolith of a person you are nuanced and your con- your actions have consequences and not all of them are good even though you quote unquote did the right thing mm-hmm. so the character that approaches him in this bar is a former Romulan senator mm-hmm. and he's been reduced to this life of living in this refugee camp which is apparently nobody is ever going anywhere from there yeah because you can't get off mm-hmm. really and it, so it, it really does feel a lot like uh, a Native American reservation in a way. Oh, that's a great parallel. That's really good. Um, I was once again reminded of a book that I referenced in the last episode, Lost Connections. Mm. Um, one of the chapters in Lost Connections um, focuses on a Native Canadian. Let's see, what do they call them? First First Peoples? First Nations? First Nations. Thank you. He interviews some people at a First Nations reservation. The incidence of depression. Depression and anxiety is like astronomically higher than in the overall population. And what he concludes is that the reason that there's such a high incidence of depression and, and suicide resulting from that is that these people do not have a vision of themselves in the future. Like they just they, they believe Holy themselves to be shit. stuck. In the life that they have and they have and like almost everything that is available to them is provided and prescribed by the government. They have no autonomy. 
It's so interesting. And I think that that's like what's happening here on planet Vashti. Mm -hmm. They're in a holding pattern forever. Yeah. And so no wonder he's fucking pissed off. Um, But what he says is that the Federation made all of these massive promises that they did not fulfill on. In the course of making those promises, they took away the Romulans' like drive to yeah. have ingenuity to solve this problem for themselves. I think that that is a really, really colonial mindset. Where, mm. well, like in you know, in American colonialism, people who came over here, white people from Europe, from Europe brought civilization they were like mm-hmm. oh native people you're living like savages we're gonna solve all of your problems if you just take our if you just take our blankets mm-hmm. um Oof. when in fact there's you know the, genocide and right. stolen land and and really like i think this is especially has a parallel with all of the treaties that were f- put into place and then violated <laughs> over right. and over again. This like your word means nothing or like your promises are empty yeah. is real. Yeah. And, and I, I really like it how it kind of, to me, it addresses Star Trek's history of colonizing. Even when the prime directive is like, don't change. People are changing things left, right, and center. Like one ep- one episode in particular I can think of from... TOS is the apple where they stumble on this society that is doing things a certain way that Kirk and co deem to be savage and wrong. Mm. So they completely disrupt that culture and then they're like, okay, bye. (laughs) And, And it's like, we never visited that society again, or even in the really bad uh star trek uh is beyond star trek beyond where the whole opening shot is them disrupting that society that's never seen a spaceship and they're like i guess it'll be okay and it we never we never get to revisit these places and this feels like to me the first time star trek's ever revisited a place of a big savior captain action and having it not be okay and i think that's really interesting and mm-hmm. smart and i'm i'm excited to see more of that i I love that this series is taking Picard to task and taking him down a peg from being this, like, like I said, like a heroic monolith of a person to being this really, like, flawed character. It's really good. I think that's what I like most about this show. Yeah. I appreciate and respect, like, Picard needing to check his hubris Mm -hmm. and, like, recognize that he's not all powerful in the way mm-hmm. that we kind of learned him to be from the next generation. Mm-hmm. But I also have a lot of sympathy for him yeah. where the things that he believes and the things that he promised and like gave his word to. And I know that he's a person who has a lot of, who puts a lot of belief behind if I give my word to something, then I'm committed to it. Right. When his institution Mm-hmm. made it impossible for him to honor his word he like the i think the misstep that he made was then giving up i mean it's pretty it's heartbreaking to me to to think about have like but and i think like calling back to this like these treaties were not honored with with native peoples mm-hmm. like potentially the people who created those treaties or like made those treaties 
in the beginning, some of them were acting in good faith. Sure. Not all of them, but some of sure. them were. And then the people who betrayed them were different people. Totally. And so how do you hold how do you hold an institution accountable right. when you as a individual have given your word to you something? Mean that. Well, it's like they say at the beginning of this episode. Because last time you promised that a promise is a prison Elmore. Do not make yourself another's jailer. But Picard is stuck in this prison of his promise to the Romulan people. And he's sort of been living, I mean, to call it oof, all the way back to Alexandre Dumas, he's sort of in the part of Count of Monte Cristo where he's just waiting in this holding cell, sort of waiting to fulfill his destiny. Mm. And I think what we're seeing with Picard is that he's trying to get out of this prison and fulfill his promise. Yeah, I love that. Tie it up a little bow. Beautiful and so real because Mm -hmm. he has been like, despite last last week when we were talking about how Picard being able to retreat to his chateau Mm -hmm. is a sign of his extreme privilege, which it is, but it's also a prison for him. Like he's not the true version of himself. Yeah. (laughs) Like once again, this line of like, he can't even go on a guilt trip without a starship. (laughs) He's like, that's who he is. Yeah. Yeah. It's so beautiful. I love the exploration. It happens in generations, I think where they wrestle with this legacy of like the whole goal is to retire. But then when you do retire, you miss the stars. I love it. I love this show. Yeah. Um, does um, Captain Rios' ship have a name? Captain Rios' ship is called El Sirena. Aww. The siren. That's why he has a mermaid tattoo. Okay. Mm. I love it. You love to see it. Great. Love mermaids. The resolution to this, like, fight that Picard has with the senator. Somebody, like, throws Picard a saber. Mm-hmm. And this other, the Romulan senator pulls out his own saber Mm -hmm. and he's like, fight me, basically. And Picard's like, I won't. Um, Mm -hmm. And so he's about to get stabbed. Yeah. And Elnor appears out of a puff of smoke. Yeah. And like chops off this guy's head. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which all happens very fast. Yep. And then they are about to get shot. Mm-hmm. When they get beamed back up onto El Sirena. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Picard <laughs> is like, you can't just be killing people. Yeah. It's not okay. <laughs> but dad, I said no. <laughs> yeah. And so he gets him to promise that um, that he won't just like go killing people unless Picard tells him to, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is probably good. I guess, yeah. But it also it's also another representation of Picard's hubris in mm-hmm. that he he's decided that he knows when it's okay to yeah. to <laughs> commit murder. Yeah, sorry, I don't realize I didn't remember you telling your, you know, French Romulan roommates like, hey, only kill when I say kill when all those people were breaking into your house. Like, sorry, I missed that part. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I mean, Maybe they had that. Maybe that was part of their like intake <laughs> interview. <orientation. laughs> they were like, "I'm the one who gets to decide who lives and who dies. If yeah. it's goons, it's fine. Standard first day stuff. <laughs> Absolutely." And then the the end the button on that scene that I really like is, "How did you decide to come help us?" Well, we use the criteria of our order, which is we only help lost causes. Yeah, I love that mm-hmm. shit. Sounds it great. Yeah, so so now we have... Next week, they're going to help us find dates. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. 
if only. I mean, I I really do need help. Well, you know what? Enlist these guys. That seems to be their criteria. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Kawat Milat, I need some dates. <laughs> I need, uh, no, I don't need some dates. I need one good one. One good one. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. To the nuns. Bind your sword to this mission. <laughs> Finding Becca a date. In the conversation, before everything devolves into a sword fight, right. uh, the senator reveals that the ships that they were um, evacuated in are Wallenberg-class oh, ships. yes. Um, and this is almost certainly a reference to a man named Raoul Wallenberg during World War II enabled like 10,000 plus Jews to escape from the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was a Swede and a diplomat, and he um, was also involved in like real estate holdings. Like he gave them a place to stay. He gave them a way out, forged Swedish passports for them, giving them the cover that they were Swedes. He is... um, memorialized, for example, uh, outside of Yad Vashem in in Israel, which is the Holocaust Museum that's there. The street names like surrounding Yad Vashem are all of people who were not Jewish, but instrumental in rescuing Jews out of of that part of the world during the Holocaust. I, I think there's this clear line of like rescuing refugees um, that these ships were instrumental in doing. So that's a pretty cool like call out. Whereas our Vashti call out makes basically <laughs> no sense in the context of this story. Yeah. This Wallenberg call out makes all really of the sense. Cool. Um, and thank you, Michael Chabon, who's Jewish, yeah. at the helm of this show, telling a Star Trek story from a Jewish perspective. I think that's really cool. So we go back to the next scene is Dr. Fuckboy <laughs> is sleeping and his sister, who's Jane from Mad Men, uh, She's Jane from Mad Men. Yeah. So you remember Jane is Roger Sterling's second wife who oh. uh, does the LSD trip with him in That's one of my favorite apps. So yeah. She wakes him up sexily as stu- as siblings are wont to do. <laughs> I fucking hate it so much. It's so gross. <laughs> Fuck you, Game of Thrones, for making this something that's like, okay. I don't. It's it could they just they could just not be siblings. I know. Just make them not siblings. It's fine. I don't even mind. I wouldn't even mind if they hooked up if they were not siblings. It's very abusive after like running her finger along his jaw to wake him up. She chokes him out. Because she's like, who is she? Oh, she's the destroyer. Yeah. And it's like, fuck you, fuck me you all know he had a boner. so gross. <laughs> it is gross. Uh, well, it's interesting because like sci-fi is like, mm, you know how siblings are sexy with each other? Whereas if they were like regular siblings, she'd be throwing out a pillow at him and be like, dingus, get up. Come on. Exactly. <laughs> Let's exactly. figure this out. And, and it's just, it's like weird that she's her handler. It's really weird. It's like, what are the, what are the <laughs> protocols in the Tal Shiar that somehow put a sister in like charge of her brother? Like, or like just trust her when they're like, hey, how are you going to get this mission? Uh, I got my brother on it. Oh, really? Yeah, my brother, he's, like, really cool. I don't know. He, he can do it. I mean, He does yeah. this smooch interrogation technique that's, like, really, as in, like, a 70% success rate, but uh, 70% of the time, every time. If you don't fix this, we're going to go back to the killing. Yeah. She just wants to kill everybody, which, you yeah. know, you should seek the work that you are 
best qualified for. <laughs> if she just wanted to be a murderer, she should be there are easier ways an to assassin, be a murderer, <laughs> not a spy. Yeah, it, that's a you know what? That's a great point. I'm glad you're in HR because that's like the exact kind of thing you should tell somebody. <laughs> if Play to your strength. Your job. If you just want to be a murderer, hey, I get it. Go be a murderer. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so she makes this really good burn of like, he said he's planting the seeds of doubt and then she ends the scene with, I'll give you and your seed one more week. After that, if I don't have the location, we go back to good old pain and violence. Then the um, final scene is they're being fired upon by the bird of prey that's right. like protecting this planet. Right. And then out of nowhere comes another ship that joins the fray. Oh. And ship number two helps them defeat the bird of prey, mm-hmm. which they leave totally hobbled. And it's like, now it's, yeah, uh, our planet's our, fucked again. The planet's <laughs> fucked again. Right. <laughs> I want to bring up the trifling. Uh, just show off a use of Spanish here. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. I, listen, on the one hand, do I love Latino characters in Star Trek? I absolutely 100p do. Is this show off Yes, because it's he's talking. So Rios is talking to Emmett, who is just another hologram of him that's good at pew, pew, pew. Um, but he only speaks to Emmett in Spanish, which is dumb because it's just him. He knows English. You're just trying to show off that this actor can speak Spanish, which awesome. Great. I'm just pointing out it's a little bit silly. It's a little silly. It's a little bit of a chisme, if you will. And what is a chisme? A chisme is like a joke. A chisme. Oh. What kind of annoys me about it is that the the character who speaks Spanish Mm. is... Like the most disheveled. <laughs> yeah. He's the gunner. And and he's like, he's not only speaking Spanish, he's speaking Spanish with this kind of gravelly it's gruff. It's very like kind of, Cheech and Chong. <laughs> yeah. And so all of the... Which, fine, I'm here for Space Uncles. Honestly, go off. <laughs> but it just, it is funny. Yeah, but it just feels like, it feels like leaning into a stereotype in a way. A it's like why all of the other holograms of him are like, have like British Isles accents yeah. and they're like, they're like more clean shaven than Captain Rio's. Yeah. And then this one. It's like his dirtbag cousin right. who needs help. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. How come the hospitality hollow couldn't be Hispanic? Mm-hmm. Michael Chivon? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a else. hint of problematic. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So they beam the pilot aboard mm-hmm. and. Oh my god! So excited! I'm so happy! Fucking oh, finally! Wait. Yes. After yes, four yes. episodes of hashtag Where's Jerry Ryan? <laughs> now we finally get her. She says one line, and um, I am in love anew. Mm-hmm. Get at me! I love Seven. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! I'm so Who's excited. Seven gonna make out with? Oh, everybody! Everybody! Ooh, okay, that's a good question. Who is Seven gonna make out with? Um, maybe Elnor. Whoa. That'd be kind of hot, like a May-December romance. Though her and Rios would be hot, too. More <laughs> more sex, more smooching, Star Trek. Yes. Here, I'm here for it. The thing that got to me in this scene is that before they beam her aboard, they're like, oh, the pilot, oh, we got to get him. Like, is he okay? Did, oh. we, did we get him or not? And it's like, why... 
Do they automatically assume that the pilot is a man? Why couldn't uh-huh. they just use a gender neutral? They. Them. Yeah. It's so yeah. easy. It just felt totally unnecessary and like kind of retro. You know what, though? We didn't see this. I would have had to rewind to see it. There were truck nuts on that ship. So that's why they thought it was, they automatically thought it was a <laughs> They're like, ah, no woman was driving that of him. They're like giant space truck nuts hanging off of the back of the ship. Yeah, you didn't yes. see that. I know you watched it twice. You didn't see the oh truck nuts. Oh, my God. How did I miss those both times? Uh, I it feel like we I need to make us a meme right now. Star Trek truck nuts. Star Trek nuts. Perfect. Star Trek nuts. Make it so. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, okay, once again, bring the level of the discourse on this show just down, down, down. When Ryan's here, you guys are all talking about like praxis and intelligent stuff. And I'm like, yo, who's going to bone? <laughs> Which, thank you. I mean, we need, obviously we wouldn't have asked you back if we didn't want to know, like, will they eat pussy? Yes. Which we didn't Rio even talk about. Rio pussy. And all of his Elmore hologram buds. To, yes, all of the, all of the hospitality. Hollows eat pussy. Rafi eats <laughs> Picard. Maybe I don't know. I think we decided oh, last time that he does. Speaking of the quick sidebar, I listened to this podcast recently where Lavar Burton got drunk and heavily implied that Lavar Burton eats pussy like a fucking fiend. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! It was on the Another Round podcast by BuzzFeed, and it was a couple years old. And they wow. asked him, "This is such a." Bananas answer to this question. They asked him, Do you have any special talents? And he goes, like, <laughs> Well, and it takes him an hour to say this basically, but he's like, I used to do a lot of like vocal exercises, so you know. <laughs> I like screamed aloud on my way to work. Oh my so God. Definitely listen to that if you want a wow. definitive answer on if Jordy eats pussy. All right, we gotta, we're gonna get this uh, and link to it. You know, one of the other things. Um, on the planet Vashti is like there's not just Romulans living there. Right. There's also humans living there. And okay. we don't really interact <laughs> with the humans that are living there at all. But what we do know from that sign that says Romulans only and the fact that Picard is not acknowledged at all mm-hmm. is that there's some like tension between these yeah. two groups. Sure. Um, and it's interesting to kind of build this world where 14 years ago it seems like people were living together peacefully, interacting with no kind of friction uh, just based on how they look. Mm -hmm. But now today when they're in this kind of hopeless environment Mm -hmm. that they resort to um, ethnic strife. And I think it's a commentary on different ways that people engage with one another depending on whether they're living in a mindset of abundance versus a mindset of scarcity. That's gorgeously said. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, where the people who are on this planet are, ha- are like we covered before, really hopeless. Mm-hmm. And they're, um, what they do have is so scarce that they mm. they can't feel like a generosity, even of spirit, right. towards anyone else. <clears throat> and it's kind of heartbreaking because yeah. I think that when you are in these kind of dire straits, um, expanding your network rather than contracting it will ultimately result in 
more. Like you just Absolutely. have, when you have more people, you have more access. Right. Um, and so it's sad, but I, but I also totally see how it's reflective of society in the world today and how, you know, human beings aren't really very good yeah. at knowing what's the best thing for them <clears throat> when they're going through hard times. That's a really good point. And I, I do think that'll be something to observe going forward for sure. All right. Yeah. Cool. Uh, anything else Anything else that you wanted to say about this episode or about the series in general? No, I'm so excited. I love Low Status Picard. I love a ragtag group of people. I love Jerry Ryan. Next episode, episode five, we're like Ooh. halfway through this run. Um, nice. So we're like, something's got something's to gotta break. We got to yeah. get... We got to get to free cloud, space Vegas. Mm -hmm. I wanted to say last week I compared free cloud to this place, Utopia in Killjoys, Mm. which I'm still convinced it 100% is. Mm -hmm. It is also nowhere. You know, in Guardians of the Galaxy, they go to that like (laughs) godhead that's being mined. Um, I think that's also free cloud. It's just Uh, like where like black market dealings happen. Well, it's also like Mos Eisley. Yes, exactly. So Mm -hmm. it's a trope. I wasn't just like making it up that this is a trope. It's a whole, it's a thing. (laughs) Okay. Thank you so much for doing this. I can't wait to have you back when we talk about Star Trek 2009. Mm -hmm. We'll definitely do that. Ryan will be back here next week. So stay tuned. If you like me, I have a Twitter handle. I'm at Serious Molly on Twitter. Are you working on any projects that you want to tell people about? This comes out this week, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I wrote for this Y2K-themed sketch show that's going to be uh, called Killing My Lobster Presents Y2K, and it goes up on this Thursday, which is the 21st, 20th? The 20th. Uh, And it goes Thursday, Friday, and Saturday that week, and then the following week, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday at 8 o'clock at Piano Fight, uh, which is a bar on Taylor Street in uh, the Tenderloin. But that's going to be great. Um, Like I said, follow me on Twitter at Sirius Molly because I have another show. I'm starting working on a couple weeks. It's going to be a sketch show about witches. So all of this stuff is great, uh, and that's what I'm working on. Yay! Ah, Thank you so much. I'm so glad that you joined us and um live long and prosper yay thank you intertractional is a production of federation and fempire written and produced by ryan ascalisi and becca motola barnes original music by danny kafka follow us on instagram twitter and facebook at intertractional tell us what you think join our facebook group to discuss this episode with us and other fans email us at intertractional at gmail.com you can even send us a voice memo Visit our website at intertractional.com for show notes, images, and citations. Intertractional is available on all podcast platforms, including iTunes. If you like this podcast, help others find it by taking a moment to rate and review us and subscribe on iTunes. It really makes a big difference. I still feel cheated that it took us four episodes to see Jeremy Ryan's face. Yeah. I think we're, we're, I told you as soon as the credits rolled, I'm like, we're cooking with gas now. It's going to be really fun now. Yeah. And like next week they're going to Space Vegas. (laughs) Space Vegas. I am so into this. Everybody loves Space Vegas. Ryan Johnson and Last of Jedi made Space Vegas. This is going to make Space Vegas. I cannot wait. I'm all about it. It looks dope. The costumes alone. Right. Woo. Yes. Yes. We love it. We love to see it.